Hello, Jurassic listeners. Brad here. Skype being Skype, and I'm pretty sure we're the only ones in the world still using Skype. Um, we did have an audio issue with David's microphone, I think because uh, they don't like doing multiple tracks, so there's a bit of a noise there. If uh, I'd suggest maybe just having the volume down a little bit, especially when David comes in, it does get a little bit loud, a little bit um, muffled. Hopefully that uh, that helps, but uh, we've got some great discussion coming up on uh, this episode and minute 22 as well. I do apologise, hopefully we can get it fixed and bring you more minutes of Jurassic World. Welcome to Jurassic World. Jurassic World, one minute at a time, and here we are on a good day, with a happy ending. I'm Brad. Andy. And on this episode, we'll be discussing minute 21 of Jurassic World, returning to the third seat for the uh, episode, one of our well-known community members, Mr. J Jurassic. Welcome to Jurassic World. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's only through uh, Messenger getting back in contact with you for this, realising that uh, I think it was about around September last year, when you were on for uh, those Jurassic Park 3 minutes, so... It's been a while. Um, at the time, oh, you're, yes. you're going to start your own podcast, and I think you're just waiting to move to uh, set up your own studio. So how's how's all that going? Uh, <laughs> oh, is it, it? Every, everything changed. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, since last since last year, uh, around that time, I was actually starting to finish my like Jurassic like office, and then. Uh, you know, life takes a like t- life took a turn, so I had to. Uh, I ended up actually uh, moving out. Now I'm just uh, getting everything rolling again. Uh, I've gone back into tattooing. I actually start next month uh, again uh, a brand new shop, uh, and that's exciting. As for the YouTube channel, um, I was gonna start. I was gonna do reviews back then and whatnot but it's like everybody's doing reviews so it kind of feels like um redundant and like you know it's just if there's like a 100 reviews why would they watch mine <laughs> you know what i mean so uh i i'm gonna actually be starting like i've i've, I've been talking to people i got a little intro done with a good friend of mine um um james from the unicast he did an imitation. He does these great like 
uh, imitation voices of like Jurassic Park characters, and he did Hammond's voice, and it's a it's gonna be kind of like a like a mini talk show uh, called "The Voice You Are Hearing Is Jay Jurassic," <laughs> you know, kind of like uh, kind of going like uh, you know, "The Voice You Are Hearing Is Richard Kiley's for no expense," <laughs> but with with mine is uh, "The Voice You Are Hearing Is Jay Jurassic," spared some expense, and then you hear him say he kind of laughs and he did the voice of Hammond and it's great. Um, and it's just going to be me just, uh, having people on the show and just rambling on about Jurassic. Like, you know, if there's happens to be news going on, I'll bring it up, but I just want people to be themselves and just talk, you know, and I'll try to cut it down at some point. Like, well, let's talk for like half hour, you know, once it reaches half hour, like, okay, man, you gotta stop. Let's go. Uh, the show's done. <laughs> well, that's but, um, a good thing. That's a good thing with now coming on six films, um, Battle of Big Rock and the novels, the games. There's so much in the franchise to discuss, mm-hmm. and and you can spend do something one week, something else another week, and just look at different aspects. Um, and, yeah. and the thing is that I, I'm gonna um, I don't want to have just like big like big time community members. Like I don't want to have like the like the people that everybody knows, I want to get like fans on there and, and just like random people that uh, they follow my accounts and and I that I see them posting up maybe a few things that are art wise or you know just Jurassic Park pictures or just just fans in general and just seeing their like view of why they love Jurassic Park and and what they think of this you know yeah um because it's like that one's gonna be like a that's gonna be like on my my YouTube, but like you guys know, I'm part of the the Jurassic Park podcast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a contributor on there, and I started this throughout the whole quarantine. I've been recording like constantly, and I've done like a lot of recordings with um with the contributors uh contributors on the podcast for this special segment that's called "Do You Remember the First Time You Saw a Dinosaur?" It hasn't premiered yet. But it is – I think it's going to be a really good show for the fact that it's um, me talking to the contributors of the podcast at the moment. In time, I'll expand it to other like fans and whatnot, but it's explaining pretty much like the first time they saw the dinosaurs, the first time they fell in love with dinosaurs, why they love Jurassic Park. And it's cool to hear from the contributors that put in – um these shows every week for the fans because the fans know why they love jurassic park and they're they probably wonder like why are these guys like how can they talk about jurassic park every week for <laughs> for since like five years ago basically because brad started it um in 2015 yeah. and we've been talking about jurassic park every week for five years yeah. <laughs> and it's like how do you keep how do you keep that going um, and why do we do it? <laughs> like, why is it, you know? So it's cool to see the background of everybody of how they got into Jurassic Park. And it, uh, you know, I mean, I used uh, um, Claire's, you know, um, quote from Fallen Kingdom, you know? And um, I feel it's been really good. Like, I've, I've recorded with a bunch of them already. Um, Brad's probably going to do an incredible intro because he does these really cool intros. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when it's going to launch, but I was 
I was trying to get Brad to be the first one on there since he is the host of the podcast, and I finally recorded with him earlier this week. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I mean, yeah, last week. So, no, yeah, this week, earlier this week. And um, so if his is done, I think he'll premiere it sometime because it's the, the, the schedule is, like, full. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so he'll premiere it at some point soon, and – people will finally get to hear this thing and it's it's great because i just pretty much let them loose <laughs> i just let them go like go go on tell me why why is it that you like dinosaurs what's the point yeah. why why do you like these things <laughs> so that's what's been keeping me busy you know oh nice it's um it, it, we went into covid with uh a dozen or so episodes pre-record up our sleeves <laughs> of the just of the uh, Jurassic World minutes, and now here we are in the recording for uh, episodes that are going to be released this week. <laughs> and just being that busy and not being able to record, whereas a lot of people are stuck at home and have all the time in the world. It seems to be able to do it all. I wish that was me. It's 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 yeah. funny because it feels like uh, a lot of people that have been in quarantine, it, you would think you would have all this time, and then you realize, like, wow, like, you don't. <laughs> like, I thought I had all this time with um, with these months that I've been, like, I still was working. I was, I was still doing um, part-time grocery work, uh, uh, central worker work. Mm-hmm. But um, it time is crazy. Like, it, it, it's, you know, you think you have all this time, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, uh it's already nighttime, and I just woke up like an hour ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just goes. I, I don't. It's weird. Yeah, it's like COVID's put a one and a half times on the on the clock. Just yeah. going it a little bit quicker. Yeah. <laughs> How long has InGen been practicing this pitch? Since the day we hired you out of the Navy, you knew the end game. These animals. To replace thousands of poops on the ground. How many lives would that save? War is part of nature. Look around, Owen. Every living thing in this jungle is trying to murder the other. Mother Nature's way of testing her creations, refining the pecking order. War is a struggle. Struggle breeds greatness. And without that, we end up at places like this, charge seven bucks a soda. Do you hear yourself when you talk? We'll head over to Jurassic-pedia.com quickly for a uh, write-up here on Vic Hoskins, our big bad that's being introduced this minute, um, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, of course. Uh, we'll get to his bio in a minute, but uh, a little write-up here on Vic Hoskins and uh, his dealings in the uh, in the film. Also mentions here, uh, I don't know if it was for the uh, marketing material for Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom when they mention the uh, catching of the pteranodons from Sauna uh, that escaped at the end of JP3. I'm pretty sure it was for Jurassic World marketing. Yeah. The, the Maserani Global website would have been mm-hmm. on there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, there was. And there was um, this Rick Haskins that it was the acid containment unit which we see um, in action in the movie was his personal like security team. And he cleaned up the Toronto that ended up in Canada, which impressed um, 
Masrani and is how he got the job at Jurassic World, where he began trying to think of, well, how can we use these two sort of, um, how can we use these two become, to, so we're not fighting them, they fight for us instead of with us, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure, we did, uh, the evolution of Claire, we don't get the Pteranodons on the mainland in that, do we? I can't recall if we actually get to see or read what actually happened. Obviously, they were destroyed, but... I can't remember. I mean, I didn't actually read the book, so... Jay? Um, to be honest, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I read the book, and, um... Like, it was... It was from... Oh, man. How long ago was this book when I read it? I... I had to be like maybe a year or two ago, right? Well, it's it just one of those. 16 that come out just after Jurassic World, I think. Uh, no, it was after Fallen Kingdom because they yeah. made the character more um, of Fallen Kingdom than Jurassic World. It's it's a story that it, they like. It, it's easy. It's easy to, to kind of forget. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, uh, um, I just I remember mainly like. The, the stuff with her and the, and the, the dinosaurs and then and someone of like the, the end when they're being chased by things of a velociraptor man I'm really blanking out on this book but <laughs> well, it's when... just I, I don't remember the Tarana's on stuff it, it might have been in there uh, but I'm the worst person to ask on <laughs> on the character because Claire isn't exactly one of my favorite characters of the franchise so mm-hmm. you know I think whenever I think of Trinidons and Mainland, I keep on thinking of the sales script, so that might be where I'm confusing. Yeah, yeah. With, with like, the the baseball game, yeah, yeah, I think it is, right? Yep. Yeah. But, no, I don't I don't think they really talked about the Toronto Duns. Um, I think, I think that, um, it might have been the DPG might have said something about the Toronto Duns nesting. Mm-hmm. Something of that sort. But, I don't think the Claire book did. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's it's, it's kind of uh, kind of messed up that we didn't get anybody else. We just got her. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping that at least we we we. I don't know if I want an Owen book honestly, because I just I I feel like we know enough about him. You know I don't think him, we need to. You don't want to read about him training dolphins, put mines on boats, <laughs> sending yeah, that... dolphins off to their death. <laughs> they might. They, if they make a book like that about him, it might as well just be five pages. <laughs> just a like a leaflet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, give me somebody more interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, uh, someone. Masrani. Some... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. Show us that, into that first meeting between him and Hammond and why uh, Hammond changed That would mind. be really cool, man. Yeah, I would really want to cool. know about more of the relationship there. Yep. Or even just you the, say, the and Lockwood split. Yeah. What were you going to say, Dave? I said, yeah, I agree that with the um, Simon Masrani. I mean, there's like a history there, but it's not really clear. So it'd be yeah. really interesting to see kind of like Rise of Masrani or something like that, you know? Especially when you only got the character for half a film. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. it's and like... he was a good character, too. Like, yeah. I really, really enjoyed his character. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. But, and uh, and then you know, uh, 
spoiler alert because this is not in this minute. But <laughs> when something happens to him later on, guys, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to this. <laughs> but um, when yeah, when that happens to him, I'm like, really, really? Uh, come on. <laughs> The worst part is we had to do it twice because then Irfan Khan died earlier, or late last month. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, good, really good actor. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he was um, was he in? He was in Slumdog Millionaire. He was in um, Life of Pi. I haven't seen, so I can't really like I I. I I remember you guys talking about it and saying that he was in that, and I still have yet to see that movie. Um, but you know I mean, I was—that's one thing I was doing during the quarantine. I was catching up on a lot of movies. Mm. But well, I feel um, like, as I told um, Brad here, is it's very visual. It's kind of like Avatar, where it's very, very visually strong, and it has a kind of like whoa ending, where like you you're just you're just like dumped on that the whole thing's a metaphor. And I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> just think about everything you just watched and what really went down. You know? Uh, yeah, kind of like what you get when you watch uh, Vanilla Sky, in a way. Uh-huh. Like the whole thing was just, you know, it's uh, not not really happening. Yeah. Uh, those, those, I, I like when they do that in movies. I don't like when they do it all the time. And then it becomes that trope where it was all a dream. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be a, uh, a familiar chat next bit when we talk about Omar Sine, some of the films he's been in, whether we've seen him or not. But heading over to uh, IMDb briefly for Vincent D'Onofrio's little uh, entry here. I think my first uh, meeting or seeing him on screen would have been Men in Black um, as, as uh, Edgar the Thug. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> just so many different roles between from that to uh, recently with Kingpin and Daredevil. Um, I love how he come back and put his voice to the uh, the Lego games as well. Mm-hmm. He's a really cool like uh, uh, the times I've seen him in like interviews. He seems like a really cool down there as guy, and like he's a good actor. Um, first movie I remember like vividly seeing him. Like I forgot he was in in um. And Men in Black has the bug. That's how good he was with that yeah. bug. Didn't even recognize him. And then well, he realized he was like, the makeup is. I mean, it just slowly gets rotted and more <laughs> rotted throughout the movie. By the time that he just kind of mm-hmm. pops, the bug form pops out of the Edgar suit. He's just he's got the skin's like all paled and cracked and. Ugh. I, used to, I, used to, I, used to, I was watching Men in Black the other night. I used to be able to do it like uh, a while back, like a really good impression of him, like uh, when he's like talking. Him, <laughs> and it was like, yeah. Like, uh-huh. was... <laughs> um, but I remember him vividly in um, the movie The Cell. Yep. That was a good one. Like that was uh, oh, two thousand. Yeah, the, like he was he was great in that one. Like I didn't care so much for. Um, uh, J Lo in it, like, but him, he was good in it. The movie, the premise, the the plot is is fantastic. I just don't, I just don't think J Lo's the most amazing actress for for a movie like that. No. Yeah, that's yeah, just me. a lot of issues with singers being actors. 
I was not the Men in Black uh, fan. I was like a really little kid. Was, everything was Jurassic Park or Star Wars or nothing. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I remember, like, my parents were big fans of Law and Order, so yep. the thing I was first introduced to him in was with the spinoff series Criminal Intent. Oh, yeah, he was a detective on it, right? Yeah, he was a detective on Criminal Intent. And um, and then you know, it wasn't until years later that I think the first thing I actually watched with him in it was um, Full Metal Jacket, actually. Started alongside That's Love That's right, yes. I'll say that. Yeah, Wait, yeah. what? He started on... Yeah. Who? Love Lolo plays, um, what was it, Joker or Cowboy? The one with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, at least Howard. Yeah. Howard is in that one too. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I I did not know that was Ludlow. And from memory, yeah. oh, I have to go back and look at that. That's crazy. And from memory too, I think he makes it to the end. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Well, you know, that's probably where, it, you know, I mean, if you go into like a weird universe, that's where they got trained and. Mm-hmm. And they both went into InGen from there on, but I know one of them didn't really make it, but he faked his, you know, he faked his death in the in the film, and that's why he's in in Fallen Kingdom. He's he's low, he's still crazy. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's like his character in the uh, the Lego game, the Lego cartoon that chasing around the uh, the guy in the costumes. <laughs> Thinking he's a talking dinosaur. <laughs> he does that in the Lego show. I haven't seen the Lego show, yeah. so I'm like, wait, oh yeah, my god. He's walking around with the um little trank gun, chasing the uh. There's a guy, one of the one of the park employees dressed up in a dinosaur costume, which looks nothing like any of the dinosaurs in the park. It's just a generic green, almost Barney costume, and he thinks it's a talking dinosaur and tries to hunt him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Lego guys are great. They really, they really like, they really do some good stuff. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh. Hey, that's good. That is damn good. Very good. See, Charlie, that's what you get. Echo, there you go. Delta. Blue. This one's for you. All right, guys, ready to get into minute 22. No, yeah, 21. Yeah. <laughs> 21 it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. As we're in minute 20 of Jurassic World, Owen sent the Raptors off to play. As we're up on minute 21, and with a longer show than uh, what we normally do, having a guest on, I'm just going to say it ends with Hoskins thinking the Raptors can take orders. We'll fill in the in-between bits right now. As we ended last minute, we've seen some form of control that Owen had over the Raptors. Um, but as we open here, Barry's walking on the catwalk, clapping his hands and laughing. He's obviously excited that uh, this little test or little uh, training exercise has gone gone well. Mm-hmm. And over at the side here, we can see some of the onlookers, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, giving high fives as well. And one special onlooker among them. Yeah, yep. Yep, I, I met one of the onlookers. Me too, actually. Uh, awesome. Well, we'll go into it now, then. Do tell. Uh, go ahead, David. Uh, it is paleo... He, well, 
it was among the first paleontological advisors in the first movie, along with um, Backer and Mark Hallett. And so he was kind of like the only one who was the holdout throughout the franchise after Backer and Hallett were done with their work on the movie. He stayed for the second and third movie and was influential in the Spinosaurus and his portrayal in the third movie. But this one, um, he kind of, I don't think he had as big as a role for um, for Jurassic World. I know he didn't really work on Fallen Kingdom at all, and now we have uh, Brusati as the paleontological advisor on Fallen Kingdom. Hmm. But yeah, Jack Horner is among the onlookers you can see in the background here. Uh, uh, throughout this next minute, mm-hmm. yeah, the long gray glasses. Yeah, we get a lot yep. closer look here in a minute too. When Hoskins comes on the scene, a lot of them sort of dressed up in the either vet, like Vietnam vet sort of look or um, or big game hunter sort of look. I <laughs> I don't know if anything coming out of the film whether these were just extras, um, locals they put on because they seem sort of out of place here in this uh, training area. Um, sort of older guys in khaki and that. Uh, something cool about uh, meeting Jack Horner. Um, I think I told you guys before on the podcast or maybe on other podcasts. Uh, you guys know that I've made my own lucky pack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like my own. He uh, he uh, signed it. It's uh, His oh, name is cool. on my lucky pack. Yeah, I have his signature on my lucky pack. I was like, could you, could you sign this for, for me? And he's like, yeah, sure. It was actually pretty cool. You know, I mean, I, I, as when I was little, I used to just get mad about like him always saying like, "Well, T Rex is just a scavenger," you know. And I was like, "Stop it! You stop that right now!" And I, the irony though is, even in the Lost World, he said that he had uh, Burke eaten by the T Rex because he's yes. supposed to be caricature backer, but that proves T Rex is a hunter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Backer said that. Backer said that, and he's like, "You just proved that T-Rex is hunters, so it's fun. Yeah, you eat me all the time. But yeah, I, I, I remember. And then like, it's it's funny because like in later years now, he doesn't say that anymore. He's 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 mm-hmm. on the same consensus that T-Rex is both a scavenger and hunter, like most lions, like most tigers, like any uh, big predator loves carrion. Because if they don't have to like put themselves over like uh, overly stress themselves out ex- exerting energy to catch prey, which is not an easy feat, you know, um, and they can catch like a free meal that's just been laying there, yeah, they'll take it. Free you know what I mean? Stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, that's that's exactly the point, you know. Plus, mm-hmm. it, it, a thing that most people like. We when we think about like uh, these predators, we always try to imagine them like in these like epic battles, fighting these heat, like like a tiger fighting one of those like big ox that they the oh, I forget their name, but they're you know they're wild oxen, mm-hmm. um, uh, lions taking down a wildebeest or whatever. Most of the times it's not even that like that. They're they're going for the weak, the sick. You know they're they're not gonna go for uh like super healthy male like ox or wildebeest it's just a that's as a suicide mission 
You know, mm-hmm. they get they get hit by one of those horns. That's it, done. Like we always see those those depictions of T Rex fighting a Triceratops. Yeah, that probably didn't really. It might have happened, and because you know they got millions of years that the at some point that probably did happen. But like most of the time, I don't think T Rex is that stupid to, to run <laughs> right after a full grown uh, Triceratops. Most likely went after the young, or when uh, you know went after uh, like a midsize Anano Titan. They mm-hmm. didn't have all those defenses, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, like like. All those years, like uh, Horner just throwing that out there, and now it's like he's changed his consensus on it. And I think it's because he finds nothing but T Rex. He's like been cursed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he finds. He has like I think the last time that I saw an interview with him, like years ago, he was like, "Yeah, I found nine T Rexes in one summer," he, and he was not happy about it. He was like, "Damn it." <laughs> <laughs> But, I spent a lot you know, of time in the group. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a lot of new theories on that too with with T Rexes. It's great. Uh, I love well, T Rex. <laughs> and that's that's just that's just twenty years of research and and that and finding more skeletons and everything else. Of course, things are going to change. Yeah. If we if we in the next minute if we talk about uh. Like merchandise toys, I, I gotta bring up uh, something with T Rexes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't hold me to it, but I'm pretty sure there's a T Rex tangent every time you're on, so <laughs> it's never oh, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, it's, oh it's, it's, it's just, you know what I mean? Number one fan right here waving a flag. Yep. T Rex. <laughs> well, <laughs> back to the scene without a T Rex. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, <yes>. we get uh, <laughs> Barry comes up and shakes uh, Owen's hands as uh, you finally did it, man. So. Obviously, this is the first time this exercise has uh, has worked, and but they've been able to do all the, all the different commands in one go and get the raptors to follow follow through in the end. Because uh, off screen here, we get um, a man yelling Owen's name, and this is where we get film uh, the entry of Hoskins uh, walking up on the catwalk and patting mm-hmm. some of those onlookers on the back. And uh, as he walks mm-hmm. up, okay. Comes... Just... I was going to say just a slight tangent back to. Horner and T-Rex. <laughs> I, I first met Horner at um, Paleofest, which is a a um, kind of a dinosaur... I, I wouldn't really call it a convention because it's more of a... Um, uh, I'm not even sure what the, what, what, what the word would be for it. Basically, a bunch of scientists get together and, and talk to other scientists about the scientific finds they've been working in the past year. And so, I mean, I've met others there. It's something that um, my friends and I have gone to a couple times that all live in the Midwest areas, held in Rockford, Illinois, at the um, Burpee Museum. And I've I've met like Holtz there and Horner. I actually when I actually tried to get him to sign my um my the book he wrote, the complete T Rex with um Don Lassum, and I was I was too chicken. <laughs> I figured he, he probably turned that down for that anyway. Yeah, it'd be a meeting of the minds. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys notice that when uh, that one scene right? Uh, don't worry, I'm not going on on a tangent. I'm just uh, <laughs> I, actually on the scene. <laughs> um, on that scene when when um, Hoskins comes up and he's like he's like shaking uh, the hands of everybody and he pats like I think he pats one on. Uh, yeah, he pats one of the guys on the back and yeah. um. If you notice, 
Jack Horner, um, he like shakes his head like, oh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's probably read the script. <laughs> Because <laughs> we have our first uh, diabolical line from Hoskins here, um, suggesting maybe he'd hired the wrong guys to uh, to do this job, but damn, you got to meet him out of your palm. Which he just said. He just said, you've, "Oh, he's about to say you've come on a, on a good day." It's uh, not usually a happy ending, which obviously the pigs don't get eaten and uh, the raptors just aren't understanding commands. I wonder if Hoskins has been standing there watching people at the petting zoo calling for dinosaurs to come over so they can pat them and they're just ignoring them and here the raptors are actually doing something when Owen's giving them commands. That would be interesting because, I mean, in the petting zoo, it would probably be... He would also probably be getting a false idea of what the dinosaurs can do because in that environment, you have hundreds of kids going around there every day all holding out dino feed uh, to the dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs eventually get conditioned. Like, you ever go to a, if you ever go to a petting zoo, the the little goats they know what's coming when you when they're hold, when you're holding that bag in your hand. Mm-hmm. And so they probably get the dinosaurs in the petting zoo. The babies probably get this idea of associating humans with food, and will readily run up to them, greet, uh, try to maybe do something to try to get the food. You know. If you ever go into a petting zoo, you'll notice the goats will kind of just go up there and kind of, like, play real friendly, trying to get the food from you, and when you don't give it to them, they turn mean. Yeah, yeah they'll, eat your, they'll eat your buttons on your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's probably getting this false idea of what the dinosaurs can do. And so when he comes there, he when he goes to um, Owen and Barry here and finds what, they can, what they're doing with the raptors, he's like, oh, they're actually doing it. Yeah, it's very, very ignorant. He's getting what I'm seeing in the petting zoo, you know? He's not realizing that this is probably one out of a thousand days chance that they'd actually come, they'd do the whole thing right, you know? Mm. Yeah, he has has a very ignorant uh, view of the raptors, I would say. You know what I mean? Um, He he, he thinks of them like that they can be like, that much like you can have that much control it's almost like that 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 he is almost uh a per like a personification of the the hubris of jurassic park where you 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 want that control over these animals and that's that's what he is you know what i mean that's who he is Mm -hmm. like basically walking up saying that is is exactly where he's coming from like well i knew you guys could do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's the thing, and Owen's saying it's not normally a happy ending. That's where he sort mm-hmm. of asks, "Well, is that why you haven't been sending in your reports?" Um, obviously, documenting the whole the whole thing. If things yeah. haven't been going well, then of course you're not going to report to your supervisor because you don't want the uh, the RAF to come back on you. But it, Barry sort of takes over and says, "We've been busy," and um, we get a weird thing here where he sort of does the old tries to punch him in the uh, the chest and not to be his <laughs> paychecks, which. I don't know, it's like he's trying to fit in with him, but failing. <laughs> yeah, he's that awkward guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, no, he's like a, that awkward boss that tries to, like, be cool with the employees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. he's like forcing that, that cool, like, trying to be cool. You know, sometimes I, you have, like, a cool boss, and he's just cool, yeah. or she's just cool, you know? 
And I've had a lot of bosses like that. But I've had bosses that are so awkward they want to be cool with the employees. And when they walk in into, like, the, the break room, you're kind of <laughs> like, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that sigh. I know. Like, oh, I was going to say the exact same thing. He's like that awkward boss that tries to be friendly with every employee, but he just comes off as awkward. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, but the thing is, like, when he's not, when he's not trying to be cool with everybody, he's probably a jerk. So they're like used to him being such a jerk all the time that like when he please when he's cool is like what what's his deal? What why is he here? You know. Not only that, he's probably he. I assume that he probably isn't happy when he goes there and doesn't see progress. You know, I mean, yeah, these animals are. They don't. They're not going to respond right away. They're not. They're not tame. They're not safe. They're. Not, I mean, they're still very much wild animals. They're, there's a connection, but they're only just starting to form that. Yeah. He wants those results right now, right away. Do it. Make it happen. Make me money. Yeah, it mm-hmm. doesn't. He doesn't seem like someone that uh, doesn't get his way very often. Um, especially later on here, where he's sort of talking, Owen's not biting. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But I do love here mm-hmm. too. Just uh, just on the set, uh, just the the ocean in the background, the seagulls. We know this um, this sort of areas on the on the coast. Um, you mm-hmm. sort of hear that in the background here as well. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it's not. The <laughs> yeah. location was a parking was like a NASA parking lot in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually you look at the pictures. You basically got you got the compound, but there's no coast, no ocean, just uh, just the um, pen here kind of backed up against some woods. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, not even the palm trees <laughs> around it. They're all fake too. It might it might be on a on a cliffside, like uh like near a cliffside. That's probably why we don't have all the, the, the palm trees and whatnot. Kind of almost like uh the lost world, the R V. That yeah. was really close to the cliff, but maybe this one's a little bit far off. Because you ever you know you're like when you're close by the, the the beach or the ocean, you you necessarily don't see the beach, but you can smell the water. Yeah. It's, sure. it's, 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 so like. Uh, I don't know exactly where the position of this um, the set where they built it is in proximity to the ocean. I've only ever actually seen immediate photos of the set itself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I never really got the impression that it was. Like right next to the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think. It, well, do we have like? Okay, I know the the maps are like very controversial. <laughs> they keep they keep changing like over the years. They're like evolving like the dinosaurs. <laughs> like, it's, but um, do do we have one that kind of like pinpoints a little bit where where this pen was exactly or no? No, we I don't think so. The um. The visitor map on the JurassicWorld.org site, where I think had a um, had a marker for the thing, and it was supposed to be on the coast. I think it's in sector five on the on the coast. Yeah, because yeah, the only real sort of look at the area we get is at the end of this scene where we get the pull out and sort of shows the coastline there and where it is on the relevant to the uh, to the ocean, but not actually to the island itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, Owen's sort of straight to the uh, straight to the point. <laughs> what do you need, buddy? 
and that's when he sort of he- <laughs> Hoskins hesitates for a moment, a field test. <laughs> With, he, he's safely up on a catwalk, given these commands. Like he hasn't even thought about getting in, getting close to these animals. Um, yeah, and in fact, probably hasn't, unless he has them in that like head cage thing, or or when they were young. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, in that nursery thing they had. Yeah, oh, and that's a shame with Fallen Kingdom. We get that video going back to him and him playing with Blue as she's younger. We never get the the um really in the franchise the Muldoon the lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. Mm-hmm. We know he's got the sort of the leather guard on his wrist and that um, because obviously they're jumping up on his arm and that and getting developing claws. But it's another thing the franchise hasn't done, which is a shame. I, I I really wish we had more time with um with the training. You know what I mean? There's there's so many opportunities to do like like small spin-offs even even for marketing that they they could have had uh, like with Fallen Kingdom they could have had uh, marketing videos uh to pump us up for the movie with um with training se- training sessions with the raptors, you know, and have uh have Chris Pratt with with these like digital raptors just like showing him showing like many videos it could be like a minute and a minute longer even shorter and just show him training them like how we saw in the movie but a little more of that i i thought it was uh i thought it was really cool showing those videos a little sad too because we know that like only one of them's live <laughs> which you know i mean that's it's uh, as one thing uh that it, when i watch them like ah oh, man all of them are gone like it's just one yeah like i was always hoping there was one other one but you know yeah. well, something found. something wild still on new block left i don't know the first park that poster was a lie yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> i got so excited um yeah and it's sort of a we one here from hoskins too like he um keeps on going to uh Owen, oh, how just seeing uh, that they can respond to commands. We need to take the research and get it on its feet. Where the research is still going to continue um, without having a field test. Owen needs time to work with the animals, and and we get that line here from Owen that you've mentioned before that they're wild animals. Hoskins, trust me, you don't want them in the field. It's just it's just odd that we're only sort of at really at the start of um, the animals being able to take commands and that and or follow commands and not let's get them straight in the field straight away which which is always the hubris of man and the scientist mm-hmm. let's let's get this uh, tech going even though it's not fully developed fully tested god help us for whenever there's a coronavirus cure <laughs> without all the testing that's going to have and everything uh-huh. else so it happens in real life and happens in a lot of films as well it's it's mm. it's plot but that's when, uh, after being shot down, Hoskins tries a uh, different approach. I just saw a bond, a real bond between man and beast. Um, and he sort of gets in front of Owen blocking his way because Owen pretty much just walking away from him. And he acknowledges that you're in my way. And mm-hmm. over the back, we can sort of see a brief shot here too of uh, there's someone walking around the back in the snare pole. It's not Leon, it's someone else. So I don't know what, if they're just on patrol or what the go mm-hmm. is with the snare poles, but people in the background doing some stuff as well. I was going to say that the um, the kind of thing with the expecting instantaneous results and having real-world real effects is kind of interesting because I read something the other day 
that somebody mentioned that with coronavirus, people are seeing some t- some people for the first time in their lives signs in, as it happens in real time. They don't just see the they don't most of the time people don't have to really care about the behind the scenes. Uh, research and development to create a product like, say, weaponized raptors or something like that. They just see the final product and criticize from there. What science is like is it's this long, long trail of failure and failure and failure, as we see with the Iris project that we discussed uh, in the last minute, and how there was with these raptors, there would have been this long, long line of failure. Until finally, you're finally getting there with this final, well, this isn't the final product. This is barely even a prototype. And so it's kind of it's kind of like that where Hoskins is, is the general audience expecting science to just happen. Whereas in reality, science never just happens. It's a long process of, fail, of uh, trial and error. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like it, 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 that's exactly how like people feel about things. They they want everything right then and there and now. They mm-hmm. don't they don't they don't see that whole process. It's a. It, while you were saying that, it brought me to this like. Uh, do you guys ever watch The Office? No. Uh, no. All right. Well, there's there's a scene in The Office. Michael Scott, he's the the boss in The Office, and he's talking about science, and he's like. He's, he says something about like you don't you don't go to like these scientists and blah 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 to find out about science. You go to the museum, you put your hands on that like globe, and your hair stands up, and you and then you know <laughs> science. That's like that's what he says. Like you put your hand on the globe thing, and then it elect the electricity comes out. And then you know science. Like that's not how it works, but like that's <laughs> kind of like how pe- like most people feel about things. Like I don't really want to see the process. I want to see the end result, so I can criticize it and say it sucks or it's great. And I've also read about like the trials that they're doing right now with the coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. vaccines and whatnot, and how uh, the ant some of the antibodies aren't taking. You know what I mean? They're they're not staying that long um and so now they might actually be switching up to treatment rather than vaccine mm-hmm. that's that's uh that's some of the new research that's been coming out because you know if they you I mean with some of our, our our vaccines that we get like our antibodies are there for a certain amount of years some of them stay for a, a longer time but not all of them like the flu is every year because the flu keeps evolving yeah. you know so, I mean, not just that, but I mean, for example, the um, I'm sorry, never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, now I and so and that's the thing with this cure. It's not going to be a rubber stamp. It's not going to affect everybody equally. The malaria vaccine has a huge variety of effects and side effects on the people who get it. And it's just something that is going to happen with the raptors. You're not going to get the mm-hmm. same quality across the board. You're going to get personalities that are going to affect how this training, so to speak, is going to affect these animals. You know? Mm-hmm. When someone, you're going to get a wild child. 
Yeah, well, Barry, Barry's going to address that next minute with, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Hoskins is going to Hoskins is going to go into real villainous territory there, with, uh, <laughs> terminating the rogues. But yeah, the, I think in the end a lot of it too comes down to profit. They want to get to that profit as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of get a bit more here from. Uh, uh, Freaking lost it now. Oh, there we go. Um, Hoskins. Oh yeah, Hoskins. Okay. Continuing. Sort of. We're, we're on. We're the same. Uh, referring to him and Owen. Dogs of war. We know the military need to reduce casualties. Some people think the robots are the future. It's a little bit of justification from Hoskins' side as to why why they're doing this, but I don't. Yes, it'd be good for uh, soldiers not to die in war and all that, but there's been a um a lot of lot now of militaries actually downsizing. There's always there's for a long time there's been the uh, the debate on after the American military of well we don't need the three different branches anymore um, each branch has its own air sea and sort of soldier components. Um, I oh, now know. it's space force too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's sort of there's an ongoing um, debate on whether we need whether <laughs> we still need the army because you're not going to have those massive ground force uh, wars like we used to. So go and no. go and Tony Stark here, and well, the future's tech. We'll get mm-hmm. everyone in, in Iron Man suits instead of sending Raptors into tunnels. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll point the laser at the thing we're going to shoot, and then send the dinosaur after it instead uh, of shooting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a whole different thing for the next film. <laughs> yeah, that's Fallen Kingdom right there yeah. in a nutshell. Well, I do love the line here from Hoskins. Um, Nature gave us the most effective killing machine 75 million years ago, and now we know they can take orders. It's it's almost like the uh, going back to Jaws and um, the discussion about the sharks, just that they ain't, they're eating machines. Mm-hmm. All they do is eat and make baby sharks. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty perfect predators, sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sort of that brings us to the end of uh, minute 21, I suppose broadly on the uh the issue with training raptors we sort of skirted around it a little bit um i know there's a lot of uh yays and nays among fans when jurassic world come out um on the whole training raptors debate whether they should whether they could we're seeing here that they they are taking orders and there's some form of training being done i don't, I don't see it much different to lions and other carnivores in zoos that do get some sort of training in an environment like this where they're sort of contained it's not like Jurassic Park where they'd be going out and talking to the T-Rex out in this big paddock (laughs) trying to get it to Mm -hmm. uh, to take orders yeah that that one'd be weird yeah I don't know about that (laughs) but like uh I, I remember when, when um, the trailers first came out for this movie and, and there's this like big thing of, of, of trying to find out if the because there was rumors that the raptors their sickle claw was taken out. Yep. And then and I, I remember like, that were, because of the yeah. Titan class toys they have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're like, wait a second, are they? Do they not have a sickle claw in the movie? Are they that like domesticated? Mm-hmm. And I I fell into that rumor too. I was like, oh no. No, 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 no. That takes away the whole point of them being raptors. No, and, and you know, of course they had their claws, but um, but isn't that like taking a knife away from a serial killer? Like he can still kill you. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll still they'll still find a way to take you down. But like oh, yeah. you know, the claw. 
Yeah, because you know, like their their um Jurassic Park uh, like emblem, you know, the T Rex is like his, uh, it's her skull and the and the, her little hands, and then like you know, like Triceratops, it's like the the, the skull, the Triceratops, the Raptor, mm-hmm. it's their feet, is their foot with the sickle claw. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, if you take that out, it's just a a, a random dinosaur foot. You know, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I, I remember that. I was like, oh my god. No, but um, because that was a big deal—the domestication of the raptors. But like, I I think they did all right on it, especially in the sense that later down the line we see the movie they 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 go rogue again and and whatnot. Oh, even in the next couple next couple minutes, we see the raptors. The only one doesn't have full charge of the raptors, Uh, you know. It doesn't. Yeah, Especially, like, it's like it's it's like a constant battle between him and Blue, who who leads them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the yeah, previous minutes where he's trying to give him commands and they're snarling and nipping at each other, and the times where they're just not listening to him at all. Yeah, Charlie, don't give me that shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, you might have to censor that, but that's in the movie too, though. So, no, it's, yeah. it's in the movie, so we don't need to censor it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. Uh, just briefly uh, before we end here, uh, heading over for novel comparisons, um, Barry's described as being the lead raptor handler, which I think in the, if the film is only one of the raptor handlers or second Owen there. He gives uh, gives Owen a high five and says, you did it, man, and replies, only 80 dead pigs aren't bad, right? Which sort of leads oh, to this, this has been failing a few times. Finally, they got one pig that's alive and... Barry replies, this pig will love you for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and that they climb down off the catwalks, uh, and Owen isn't excited to see a slightly older man in a suit approach. So they sort of took Hoskins away from the suited executive and made him more of that uh, security. Um, Which I think also... was because it really wouldn't have fit the character, you know? No. Yeah. It would have made him even more like a cartoon. If he was like yeah. some executive, you know, like not saying like his character was, you know, it had some like cartoony villainous way. I I did honestly I liked uh, Hoskins' character. I did, but uh, if they had him in a suit, oh man, that's just too much. We must kill Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically give him a give him like an eye patch, and, <laughs> and like. Like this, like sword that he carries on the side, but it's like made out of like uh, I don't know, a raptor claw with like dinosaur skin. Like make make him into make him into one of the hunters from like the evil raiders from <laughs> Jurassic Park uh, yeah. series. Yeah. Well, we know we get that with Ted Levine <laughs> in Fallen Kingdom uh, too. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> I I don't even want to talk about that. Guy. <laughs> So disappointed by that one. Well, we sort of... It's a departure away from... Okay, Gennaro wasn't really in a suit. He was more in uh, something for the climate of... Um, but Ludlow, of course, being the executive in a suit there as well. And, uh, Ludlow... But, yeah, but Ludlow fit that. He fit that... Like, yeah. he was so out of his element when you see him uh-huh. in Lost World. Especially that... I love that scene where he's like... He's like, all right, come on. Jump, jump. Let's <laughs> go. Oh, oh. Hey guys, let's get the hell out of here. Everybody listens to uh, Nick and just walks up. (laughs) It's even funny when you notice how much he drinks when he's on the island. Yeah. 
I mean, he basically, for half the scenes, has something alcoholic in his hands. You know? And he's, he's, just, he's just trying to cope. He's so out far out of his element, he's trying to cope. Yeah, and when, you know, when you have that, that the, um, the SS Venture coming in, and he sees Malcolm and Sarah, and he's like, oh, you see the lost couple over there? Let them in. And then when <laughs> he lets them in or whatnot... He's like, he's like so proud. He's like, see, I told you I was right. I, he, he's like ready to show off. And then Malcolm's like, yeah, you're still wrong. You know, look at that. <laughs> now you're John Hammond. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, but with Levine, I mean, I mean, it was, I mean, I think people were expecting Ted Levine and they didn't get it. So they didn't get the, would, would you detooth me? I detooth me. I think that to be not not another not not boring Ted Levine. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I just I just didn't like uh how his character just he just I thought he was gonna be more of like uh, I guess it's that the expectations that ruined it for me. Just I was expecting more of like um a Roland Tempo type of character, type of uh, Great White Hunter kind of thing, and then um, um, it's just this guy that's just like, oh, just give me the money, and just you know, and he's like, oh, a raptor hangler, huh? Oh, he's not catch. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, where are you? Let me get that tooth. <laughs> and it, and just, oh. I was just like, just, I was so like, just take it out from especially when he takes that tooth off that stegosaur and i was just like uh what yeah now we know which minutes to bring you back for in four kingdom you're you're gonna feel feel that in the morning uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah exactly you guys already know yeah. <laughs> all right jay thanks for coming back on for minute 21 it was uh, great to have you back. Great to catch up again. Yeah, man. Awesome. I, I'm all, I always love coming back to this, to this podcast, man. It's always a blast. Oh, fantastic. All right, Dave. Good to get heavy for the day. Sure.